0: Welcome to How Do We Solve It, a show about the problems American communities face today and the changemakers solving them, empowering you to solve the problems in your community. Brought to you by the Institute for Community Solutions. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the How Do We Solve It podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and uh, today... I have an incredible guest for you, uh, the indomitable uh, Tim Clark will be joining us in a moment uh, to talk about affordable housing. Uh, So uh, let's actually bring him right on. Mr. Tim Clark, uh, welcome to the How Do We Solve podcast. When you brought up the topic of affordable housing, you know, I was kind of thrilled. I know a little bit about this topic. I don't know a ton. You know, what I do know about affordable housing is uh, at least in North Carolina, there are only 43 available rentals for every 100 extremely low income renter households. It looks like looking at the average rental price, average monthly wage. I think I think your rent is supposed to be no more than a third of your average wage.
1: Uh, Technically, it's supposed to be a quarter. So you're, you're, you're talking mortgage terms, front to back ratio yeah actually twenty six percent um of your housing expenses shouldn't be no more it shouldn't be no more than twenty six percent of your monthly income um and your your back ratio is actually to thirty eight percent which includes like credit cards and um car payments and stuff like that so if you're at you're at if you're at a you know thirty three percent then you're already you know not even qualified to buy which is is horrible
0: which which is crazy because if i look at It looks like rent in Durham increased by 21 percent. The Department of Housing and Urban Development releases a worst case needs report every year. And the worst the most recent worst case needs report basically said there's eight million people who can't afford housing in America. So tell me a little bit about how did you get interested in uh, affordable housing?
1: Well, I I grew up in an impoverished area in Brooklyn, New York, and um, my mom, you know, moved us to North Carolina. So I lived in Durham, which was a slightly less impoverished area, but uh, still some of the same inner city issues. Um, And, you know, I uh, went through high school, went to college, graduated, and, you know, came back and I kind of wanted to make a difference. I've seen a lot of people who look like me that has a lot of potential, but because of their environment. Um, Their options were severely cut short. Um, So, yeah, I I got into real estate. Actually, it's funny you mention that because uh, part of the reason my last appointment before this podcast was um, uh, actually a a mixed couple that um, they met me. They bought their first house and they both were from similar backgrounds as me and um, both ex-military Disability stuff that comes with that, mental and physical. Um, And, you know, they just thought, hey, you know, we're going to fulfill that um, American dream and buy our first house. And, you know, uh, I remember at the closing day, I was like, you're not done. They was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, we're going to stay here forever. And I was like, no, that's not the best idea. Long story short, um, they're in their third house now, and that house has over half a million in equity. And you know, a very similar conversation we had, like literally, not an hour before I came here, um, about uh, how the economy has changed so much. Um, so going back to when I first started in '07, um, we had one of the worst economic crises and, and uh, crises in our country. And when COVID hit, in 2008 was, something-
0: was no joke to uh, to start a realty business then.
1: Oh, it was a horrible idea. I mean, every, every dollar I I sank into, you know, my business like just went away. It was the craziest thing. It was almost as if it it was uh, like I was getting signs that I shouldn't be doing it. You know, it was like, I still haven't learned my lesson. Um, But yeah, but because of that, I got a a firm foundation of, um, you know, how the housing market um, plays a role in our economy and how ubiquitous housing is and, you know, everyone needing shelter. Um, and so taking that from a kid that's been in the, in you know, inner city impoverished area and working with affluent, you know, individuals, you know, almost on a daily basis, it's kind of, it's kind of mind blown, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, I'm in a, per- a privileged position to pay it forward. Um, so in this market, you know, since the, when the, uh, pandemic hit. Um, the, the real estate market was already going well. Um, inventory has been steadily uh, declining since the recession. Um, less and less people wanted to sell. Um, more people were thinking, oh, if I jump into the market, then I won't have a place to live. So it was just a reciprocal issue. And there was other things that was added to it. But ultimately what happened was when um, the Well, during the pandemic and a little bit after the pandemic, the the market just kind of just went parabolic and um, property values went through the roof. And, you know, uh, even though there was no inventory, um, builders have been building like crazy Um, in some of the areas that that I lived in, in Durham and um, in part of Raleigh, where um, there was low or there were low income housing um, you'll see, you know, multi-million dollar houses in that same neighborhood, like on that same street. Um, and one would ask, you know, two questions, how is that possible? Like who would pay that much for a house on the street? And two, where does all all those other people go? You know, I mean, if you take the low income areas and then you kick them out, you know, um, you gentrify them, where do they go? And, And in this market, um, they go to the more rural areas. And um, so the, the rural areas of the triangle has been pretty much the, uh, the haven for people who are not affluent. So not only just lower income housing or lower income families, but also, you know, first time homebuyers, you know, people who are buying in the two, three, even four hundred thousand dollar range for the first time have to go into the low uh, to, to, in the rural areas.
0: So talk a little bit about uh what 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 happened since covid to the affordable housing issue. Uh like pre-covid the affordable housing was an issue. It's primarily an issue in you know growing cities like Raleigh, which you're mm-hmm. from Raleigh North Carolina and or Durham. You live in Raleigh or you live in Durham?
1: I live in Raleigh. Okay. Uh, so
0: So you the Raleigh Durham area at the very least, uh, and uh, the other cities in like San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, places like that, they were already bad prior to uh, COVID. What did COVID do to the affordability of housing? Not just for the average person who now wanted more rooms because I need an office for you know both people to work from home, but to the people who couldn't afford housing in the first place?
1: Well, you, you, you kind of touched on it about people working from home. So buyer needs have changed, um, meaning you no longer have to go to the office. So you don't have to worry about commute times, which means you can probably live on the other side of the country and still keep your job. Um, another thing that changed was, um, you know, people being locked up in their house for extended periods of time. Um, not only are you antsy about getting out of the house, you also have the ability to save money because you're not going out to bars, you're not going out to restaurants. So a lot of people had a, ch- a chance to save money. Um, another thing was um, we had a lot of these uh, hedge funds that were jumping into the real estate market, the residential real estate market and buying up stuff. So in addition to having uh, you know an abundance of qualified buyers, you also have major corporations that jumped into the the mix and then you have multiple offers and you know that ultimately goes into you know a, a crazy appreciation rate. Uh I remember Durham, you said the rents have gone up what uh, 18%. The, the the housing values in Durham has gone up twenty two percent. Um so you know it 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 just caused it was like a perfect storm um with the already like lagging inventory. Um, they just you know, kind of made it worse. So what has been happening is, um, you know, builders have jumped in and said, hey, you know, we can kind of fix this inventory issue. And honestly, builders, it, it's not enough for builders. It's um, we have had one of the lowest foreclosure rates um, throughout this whole ordeal. Uh, I remember one of the reasons was the moratorium. Uh, but once that expired, Um, there, you know, the, the, because of the property values have gone up, um, people can just refinance rather than, or sell their house rather than, you know, undergoing foreclosure. So, um, usually when the market corrects in that regard, you know, there's a bunch of, um, cheaper homes that, you know, have been repossessed that are now available, um, some way, um, to, to get in on a on a, a fixer upper or whatever or some other opportunities other than you know what just hits the MLS and now that just haven't been the, the 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 case so um yeah the 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 people who were just on the bubble of buying are uh, no longer able to buy and it's super unfortunate so that's what's going on all over the country not just here in Raleigh Darn
0: how do we tackle the problem of housing affordability because if you, you think about some of the previous approaches to this issue so you look at uh, the projects right mm-hmm. these were all government projects to try and tackle housing affordability and uh, there's been some effort to prevent like what they called white flight uh, so yeah. gentrification particularly back in the 60s and back in the 70s there was some effort to keep people from leaving the city uh, essentially, or, or keep people who are in their homes in the city. Doesn't seem like any of that has really worked. And so you look at Raleigh or Raleigh is actually probably an interesting case study because Raleigh is a fast growing city and really hasn't had this kind of growth. uh, As I know, as I understand it in the past, you know, most of its history. So uh, what, what do we do about this affordable housing problem if we're in a city that's dealing with a lot of growth?
1: Well, I can, I can tell you that uh, one of the issues that we have is that um, we don't have the infrastructure for, you know, a population boom, Um, you know, so to, to, to rezone certain inner city areas so you can add more units would be pretty much the, the easiest thing to do, because the government would approve it, um, you can have builders come in. Let's say if, hypothetically that was the case, um, then you would have overpopulation of, of you know lower income families. Um, now that is not the case because property values have gone up. So, like I was saying before, um, you know, a lot of those homes um, in those inner city areas in the lower income areas. Um, are pretty much worth more with the house torn down. Um and a builder will build something three or four times the value. Um so that has been an issue and that's been a hot uh button item for literally every legislator um or any politician period locally um to you know try to get more votes or whatever. Um So so why but-
0: don't we just build up?
1: Like there it's, seems to be plenty so, of
0: space directly upwards. So why don't we just build up?
1: Well, that that's one solution. Um, and then, you, I mean, it's, it's not like it's all owned by the government, right? So this is, has to be fueled somewhat by capitalism. And I know that there has been a lot of tax, uh, tax breaks and stuff like that to entice investors to try to build up and build out, um, but that just haven't happened. And again, we don't have the infrastructure for um, that much you know, growth. Um, so we're kind of managing it. Um, I know in some of the uh, smaller towns, you know, water is the biggest issue. So even though, you know, you have areas like, you know, Zebulon or um, Creedmoor, you know, a lot of those uh, rural areas that builders are building in and building heavy people moving out there because it's affordable um you know they don't have the utilities to to keep up so you know let's say downtown uh raleigh for example if they were just to build up and um you know it, it first off you would have to have a lot of um you would have to have a lot of interested sellers who are willing to give up their properties um to to let the project happen or if there's some sort of eminent domain um to take it back and you know great uh, uh, opportunities there, um, you still have the issue of how much is it going to cost. And, you know, frankly, just not feasible. Um, I have a couple of um, affordable housing ideas that that could work. Um, in fact, we were working on one um, last summer uh, that we may pick up again because we've gotten approvals um, from um, our, uh, the county here, Wake County in Durham, um but yeah uh so it, because tell us, building tell, material- us, tell so what, us a little bit about that like so what, yeah because what, what because like? building materials are uh really expensive still relatively um you know one of the things we could do is you know build with containers with shipping containers um i've done a lot of research on uh you know the types of containers that could be used. Uh, there are actually some that are, are prefabbed. You know that has the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. And you can put them together like Legos and put insulation and boom, you have a house. Um, that is a fraction of the, the 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 time and the cost that it would take to build uh, one of those. You know ADUs or you know the smaller seven or eight hundred square foot houses. That um, our, our city need. You can also do multi-unit houses with the containers. Another idea I had was um, there. There's a couple companies going around um, with 3D printers that uh, literally uh, prints out concrete. Um, it lays concrete uh, like toothpaste, like it goes around. Um, the problem with that is no one has uh, yet to. Uh, achieve a, a certificate of occupancy with, with a built house. And uh, we have a couple ideas of how we can, you know, kind of get over that hurdle. Um, kind of. Why,
0: a why bit. haven't, why haven't they been able to get a certificate of occupancy?
1: Well, is permitting that... is an issue. So, um, you know.
0: Are our laws not caught up to 3d printing concrete?
1: No, we're not. And no, and, and neither are the builders. A lot of the builders I talked to about this, they were like, ah, it's just, you know, real estate is so, the 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 process pretty much everything in real estate is so antiquated um, when you come with a new idea people just look at you funny you know but um, that is the best way you know um, it would definitely be more expensive on a permitting side because you'd literally have to have someone from the city or whoever is pulling the permits on site the entire time but you're talking about maybe a two or three week build process versus an eight to 12 month build process, you know? Um, so you, so. Get,
0: so you get the local government to allow for rezoning essentially for the builders, or is this, or your suggestion is out in the rural communities where it's going to take or the, the outlying suburbs of a community where it's going to take, you know, eight, nine months, 12 months, whatever, to build a new home. That you just start rolling out three uh, D printed or container houses in the rural communities?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, it's simple, you know. It's um, pretty quick, and um, they're sustainable. You know, I mean, uh, they they've have a ton of those three D printed structures, in, you know, in Europe, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not new tech by any means. It's definitely a new concept to the building world. But um, how you know.
0: how much? So it saves you time, right? So nine to twelve months down to a couple of weeks, which is awesome. Yeah. So does it save money? Like how much cheaper are these three D printed homes as opposed oh, to a similar about
1: anywhere from you know seventy five to like eighty five percent less than it would normally cost? I mean, you know, I mean, you are. The 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 biggest expense is concrete, you know. (laughs) Which you know, it's it's concrete. It's not that expensive, and you know, with the right machines, and there's several of them. I've seen at least a half a dozen different designs um, for these 3D printers. Now, Um, are
0: these homes going to be livable, or are they going to be like Soviet era Russia? No, no, no. no. So yeah.
1: So we, we definitely doesn't, don't live in a Soviet country. That's, you know, thank God for that. But, um, yeah, you know, our, our building codes and standards are very high. So when you get issued a certificate of occupancy, that means that that house is, is livable, is clean. There's no asbestos or any crazy stuff like that. Um, house is not going to fall apart. And, you know, the, the houses that, you know, have tried There's a company in in New York, there's another one in, in Texas that they both are, are trying it, but the reason why they didn't get the certificate of occupancy wasn't because of the structure. It wasn't, you know, it's, it's because they missed something in the process that that wasn't permanent. So, or, mm. or, it, or it could be, it could be, you know, um, access for, for maintenance issues. So like, you know, if a pipe bursts, you know, you can't get behind the concrete, you know, stuff like that. Um, Mm. so yeah, I mean, there's, there's several different ways to get around that in the design itself. Mm.
0: Interesting. So, so what about the shipping containers? If you were to choose between the shipping containers and the 3d printed concrete, which of these would you want to go with to address you know, affordable housing issues?
1: I, I say ultimately a 3D printed um, route would be the most affordable, the most um, uh, scalable uh, process. But you know, uh, shipping containers is you know they're just like Legos. You you know you put them together and you won't have any issues or permitting. Um, I think the the most imminent solution would be uh shipping containers
0: do you think that how much how, are we, how much are we talking for these shipping containers like if <laughs> i'm assuming you buy one shipping container for a house or do you like put them together like you you yeah yeah one
1: own? one shipping container if my memory serves correctly is around anywhere from 800 to a thousand square feet so
0: it's a nice so, apartment
1: yeah, and I mean, if you had two, I mean, it, you know, you can make it pretty nice. Um,
0: and can we can we do insulation so we're not like the cat in the hot tin roof?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no. You can uh, if if they're built correctly, you can actually get mortgage loans on them. You know, as real property. Wow. Yeah, it'll be a f- yeah. Both both solutions will be affixed to the property. You know, so it'll be ca- It'll be considered as real property. You know, real personal property is separate. You know, uh, personal property is like a refrigerator or um a microwave or something like that. The real property is, you know, the door that's attached to the house or um most notably the uh the stove that's attached to the house or um something that's permanently affixed to the house. You know, pool that's a real property. So, um a mobile home for example, um, a mobile home is very difficult to get uh, financed because, um, number one, it still has uh, a VIN number because it's a mobile home um, and it has an axle. But for the most part, it's not attached to the property. So, you know, both both solutions are, you know, affixed to the property and could be counted as such. So, yeah, I mean, you know, container homes is just, you know, and they make them prefab. You can buy them anywhere from five to 15 grand per container. So super cheap. Um, I've, I've seen some used for like two grand. Um, the only issue with the used ones, if you don't know if it's been contaminated, so, Hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cheap and that will combat the rising, uh, uh, property values, even in the, uh, lower income areas.
0: If you get it furnished, and like actually put together what do you think that what do you estimate the total cost of that's going to be It's like a thousand for the container but you've also got the carpeting on the walls and you, you or carpeting and you you got the insulation you got it. if you were to get one of these it's actually like you could move in and live there you know, what are we talking
1: i mean if we're talking about just the house and not the lot um yeah i'll say you could probably be into a 50 60 grand
0: so a thousand for the container and then you got to hook everything up to it. And it, it, what's the biggest expense on top of the container?
1: So, uh, you hit on it. So the utilities, okay. So you gotcha. have to get, you know, drainage, water, um, electric to it. Um, that can be one of the biggest things, the, uh, the foundation, um, getting the footing, uh, right. Um, you know, getting approvals before you start, that can be pretty expensive, too. But that that's, you know, uh, in, c- in comparison to, you know, a normal build, I mean, that's that's not the the biggest expense. So, I mean, in, yeah. in, with, a, with a container that could be the biggest expense, but it's so inexpensive. It, that's the biggest expense, you know.
0: So are there other elements that go into, you know, you grew up in pretty uh low-income neighborhood are there other elements that go into addressing the housing affordability crisis outside of just giving you a house like if you look at homelessness for example Mm -hmm. there are theories around how you solve homelessness one of them is housing first Mm -hmm. so you you put them in a house and and then you're like uh okay now you have shelter now you can relax now you have a roof over your head you can have security of a door Now you can think about, like, where am I going to go work and things like that. There's also advocates on the other side of Housing First who are like, no, actually, a lot of homeless people are on drugs, for example. Now, I won't necessarily say that's the same case. Homeless and need affordable housing are not the same category of people. But are there other elements that go into this or do we just need to build baby build and then we get the affordable housing crisis solved?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's that simple. Um, yeah. And you did hit the nail on the head. Affordable housing and a, a homelessness are two totally different things. Affordable housing is, you know, uh, families who have that high debt to income ratio, you know, where there's they're putting their whole check into rent. You know, um, both mom and dad are working or if it's a single mom, whatever. Um, but they're they're trying and, you know, their efforts are are not um being rewarded. Um, homelessness is something totally different. Um, you know, there is, there. I mean, of course, there's. You know, some homeless people who just fell on bad luck, and they're trying to, you know, figure something out. And you have, you know, a lot of them where, you know, there's something that they've done, a choice that they made to get them in that sit that that, that that circumstance, and you know getting a better environment for them may not always, you know, and I'm speaking this from a business aspect. Um, And and I I started in property management um, when I started real estate. Um, So I've I've, I've dealt with this quite a bit. Um, You know, even though you create a better environment for them, it may not be something that's going to help them change who they are or the choices that they make. And you know that's the unfortunate thing. But you know, to, to answer your question, for affordable housing, yeah, the 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 uh, rural uh, container idea can work fantastically well, um, being that the the property will still maintain its value since it's considered as real property. Um, so, you know, so
0: it's like a, a little bit of an investment now that it will still be an move. investment,
1: you know, okay. the, the, the house would uh, still have the, the possibility of appreciating and all that stuff. Banks will loan, uh, give loans for it. So it's, uh, it's easy, you know, to get financing, um, for that, which is, you know, the biggest issue for someone who's trying to buy their first house. Um, mm. so, the homelessness issue. I've actually. I'm working with um, two different churches now, who have land behind their church, and they're they're you know going to start putting pods and ADUs back there, um, so they can help with that. Um, I think it's it's a it's a several like step, and you know more about this than I do, um, but I kind of see it as like a several step process. Um, you definitely don't want, you know, someone feeling comfortable and, you know, trying to live off government, but you also want to give them a chance and you want to put them in, 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 in circumstances where they can win. Um, and if they just don't, you know, have the, the want to win, then that shouldn't be, you know, on the person giving the help, you know what I mean? So um, there's a couple uh, churches that I'm working with that, you know, they're, they're, plan on putting some ADUs back there, but they're also having some rehabilitation programs and different things to help, you know, people get back on their feet, because that's pretty much what it is. More so, you know, homelessness is more of a mindset than anything else. I mean, you know, and I remember there's times where I was technically homeless too, you know, (laughs) Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, trying to stay there. And, you know, when I got a hand up, I took that hand and I made sure that person that gave me that hand appreciated that they they helped me out. So, um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: No, it it, it kind of does. So basically the idea is housing affordability is just that. It's dollars and cents. It's dollars and yeah. cents and places to live. And yep. so if, if we want, you know, the college student to be able to, I mean, I'm a millennial. Uh, we've accepted that as a generation, we'll never be able to afford a house. It'll never happen. Uh the, the 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 idea that we you know, we pay rent far more than mortgage, but that doesn't count in our credit score. So you know, the right. idea that we'll be able to afford a house is ridiculous. But you know, there's there's a lot of people who are being pushed out of communities because they don't have affordable housing. And if they have something like this, then the housing could actually be affordable for them to live in. And best of all, it's an investment too. Because yeah. you know, one of the biggest problems of the projects is nobody actually owned any of that. That was not, it was housing technically, but it wasn't your house. It wasn't your home. It wasn't something you own and can build. And uh, you know, we don't have time to, in this episode, to get into all of the areas. That's you- a
1: whole other can of worms. <laughs>
0: okay. But I,
1: I was going to mention that there are, you know, um, I don't know if you ever heard of like any lottery options. Um. No. Yeah. yeah. So um, low income, let's say single mom uh, applies and she qualifies, she gets to live um, in a neighborhood where, you know, I mean, she definitely can't afford to be there, but she gets, you know, um, grants or what have you to help her stay there. And as long as, you know, she keeps a job or whatever, um, that kind of helps. And, you know, to be honest with you, that honest, that could be like a, a solution, period. I mean, because if you if you take a like like with me, and my mom, for example, you know, she got me out of that environment um, of, you know, gang violence, drugs and all that stuff. Um, and I got to see a different side of life. It changed my life. Um if, if that was available or if that was more widely available, I mean, cause there's, there's areas all over the place where, you know, if uh, a person had, you know, just an opportunity to live at a, a place for a year or two, you know, their lives would change, you know? Um, so I, I've heard of a couple of areas that, that have done uh, those lottery programs.
0: That's a good point. And that's definitely something I want to listen, look into. And if you can send us some links to I'd love lo, our listeners would love to see the 3d printed concrete for sure okay also the the shipping containers but if yeah, you've the got any links cool to, the, to the lotteries as well I think our listeners would be fascinated by those and uh you know a, a solution to housing affordability could just be build baby build and uh, put some of these, you know, a little bit lower income houses in place, give people a chance to get up on their feet. And like you said, being able to be transported out of the environment that they're in right now and into a neighborhood with good schools, which gives their kids a chance to actually maybe uh, go to college or get a high paying trade job or something like that. It's the people yeah. you hang out with that yeah. often determine your life's trajectory. and sometimes. Getting you out of the people you're currently hanging out with, hang out with a different group of people, uh, often helps. And so that's really fascinating. Love these ideas. Um, Where can people go to find out more uh, about you and, uh, uh, I suppose, buying a house in Raleigh?
1: Well, um, you can go to timmclark.com. That's actually my entire name with .com after it. Um, I have a couple uh, articles about affordable housing, um, about buying your first house, uh, about the pitfalls you can make from buying a house, um, the different types of loans that are available, um, the history of interest rates, a bunch of cool stuff that can you know help you kind of get your mindset together in buying. Uh, Even some tips and tricks on on, um, about the business. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok, all same thing. Tim M. Clark and Twitter.
0: All right, awesome. Well, and of course, now is where I thank our awesome uh, donors who make this show possible. If you like the content on this show, and if you like the push for community solutions and changing the debate to include community solutions in America. Uh, go to instituteforcommunitiesolutions.org/slash-circle. Join the Solution Circle. Be a contributing member of the Solution Circle. Help us find more experts like Tim M. Clark, more uh, nonprofits like the Plymouth Improvement Committee. Help us find these solutions to the problems that we face in our communities today, and help us help you solve them. Tim, thank you so much for joining. How do we solve it? It's been a pleasure to have you on Uh, everyone listening. See you guys next week.
1: Have a good one guys.